0: Hi folks, welcome back to Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, an initiative of the Pro-Life Guys podcast where we explore the lives of the defenders of the defenseless. We talk to people who are having compassionate and compelling conversations about abortion with their friends, their family members, their neighbors, people in their community. And in this series, we are highlighting the people who are actively involved in the pro life movement around the world. And I'm joined by a great friend of mine and a member of the Calgary Outreach Team, Kwiana. How are you doing?
1: Doing well. Thanks for having me, Cam.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great joy to to get to know Kwiana over the last couple of years. And I'm excited to have her on this show. I think that she'll be a great guest, Um, not to pump her tires too, too much. but I'm going to throw you off, um, throw you a, a question to start off with, Quanna, Here, that a lot of people, when they think of those who are out doing pro-life activism on a regular basis, they think that they must have had a, a profound background in apologetics. They must have gotten these degrees and doctorates in apologetics, and they just love debating and arguing constantly, and that's why they're comfortable out on the street. Can you share a little bit about yourself and who you are to to kind of make it a little bit more? understandable who it is that actually gets involved in the pro-life movement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I do not have a degree in apologetics. I actually don't have a degree in anything at the moment, but um, I come from a fairly big family and grew up, I was actually homeschooled my entire education and now recently have been working as a nanny, um, just taking care of other people's kiddos. And so that's kind of what my work up to this point and life looks like. Other than that, I really love um, working with horses and have a horse of my own that I'm training. And I like to write as well. And so I do a little bit of historical fiction writing and that sort of thing.
0: Very cool. I was very pleased to be able to meet your horse on on an occasion a a couple weeks ago, I believe. And my wife is a a, a horse enthusiast. I've spent more hours than I ever imagined I would at um, Spruce Meadows, which is an international horse jumping uh, venue here in Calgary. It's one of the premier ones in the world, apparently. I know more about equestrian horse jumping than most people, um, and I never imagined that I would. So that's cool that you're into horses as well. Um, But I digress. Let's dive into this. Let's talk a little bit about your journey towards regular pro-life outreach. I'd love to hear a little bit about how it was that you really got involved in the pro-life movement and what was your journey towards being a regular apologist, somebody who goes out on street corners and and goes door to door, having conversations with people about abortion?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My initial introduction to the pro-life movement and to CCBR specifically was actually when I was quite young, Um, Stephanie Gray came to speak to my older siblings debate class. And so our family went to listen to that. And afterwards my mom um, signed us all up for folding newsletters, thought that was a good thing for um, some kids to be able to help with. And so we did that for several years. Um, And while we were doing that, We had one opportunity to go out during um, a GAP project at the U of C, now the Abortion Awareness Project, and um, just see those conversations being had about abortion and the pictures um, and the effect that they had as well. And so that was kind of my first introduction. I think I was about um, 12 when we first went out to the university and um, have been pro-life throughout my entire life, something that my mom really taught us and shared with us something that she had actually um, herself had to stand for, as I've shared with Cam before, um, that when um, she was actually pregnant with a little boy right after me, the fifth would have been the sixth child in our family, sorry, Um, won't give him my (laughs) my spot in the family, but um, when she was pregnant with him, she actually found out at one of the ultrasounds that he had something wrong with him. And to this day, we're not quite sure what that was. It was something that hadn't been seen um, by the medical community before, or at least not recorded. And so when they discovered this, um, she was actually asked to abort him um, for the sake of scientific research and medical progress. And so that wasn't something she was willing to do, was actually called before a panel of Um, doctors and just a medical panel um, to talk about it and they were quite insistent that this was something that needed to be done for the furtherance of science and so she had to stand up and defend um, her pro-life views and this child inside of her and say that she wasn't willing to end his life before God did that Um, and tragically he didn't make it um, and did pass away but it's something that I know having grown up that my own younger brother um, could have had a life that was cut shorter than it already would have been. And so knowing um, just that it is something we have to stand up for, and it is something that's really close to home. Um, I think of more recently, one of my cousins was told that their daughter would have Down syndrome and they should abort her. And thankfully they didn't. Um, But just realizing that These children are our family members, are our friends, um, kids, and are very much in need of defense. And so had that on my heart and progressively. So um, one of the things that I think God really used to challenge me on that was just a verse from Proverbs 31. And I actually looked it up so I could share it with you. Um, So it just says, open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. And that's Proverbs 31.8. And so it's really challenged in relation to this issue of was I doing that? And was I being that voice and that advocate for those who are appointed to die in our society? Um, And so I started praying about that. I had the opportunity to share a couple articles online for some pro-life platforms and um, just continually felt like I needed to do more. And so God actually answered that prayer um, and I met up with Cam at a pro-life breakfast hosted by another organization and was able to connect and start volunteering. And so I've been volunteering for a couple of years now and just really enjoying that opportunity and the conversations that we have on the street.
0: It has been fantastic to have you as a part of the team for the last couple of years here, Kwana. And I think that that's so beautiful to have that rooted so deeply in your family, this this pro-life identity, this pro-life commitment, the incredible courage from your mom in rejecting that, like you said, that idea of your, your younger brother being just a, a science experiment, something to dissect and try to understand in a purely academic and theoretical way and not appreciating the value of of your brother's life. I I think that's so beautiful that your mother had that courage and that she passed it on to you and your siblings. Um, And so as we move into your involvement with CCBR, doing regular um, volunteer outreach, talking to people on street corners and on doorsteps, um, I'd love to get your, your experience First, getting involved. I I think that everyone has a different experience when they have when they start having conversations, when they start getting actively involved in the pro life movement. And again, there's a lot of people out there that think that you know the I, I have to be prepared for anything. I have to be prepared for any any question that can come my way. Would you mind sharing a little bit about? what your experience was when you first got involved in having conversations about abortion and, and doing that kind of pro-life outreach in that very direct kind of way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually started by doing some vehicle choice chain projects because that was what worked for my schedule at the time. Um, and so I actually was able to go out and kind of just see people's reactions, um, be holding the images and holding that message without having right away to give it offense or speak on that. And so that kind of was a gradual phasing in. I can still recall um, the first choice chain I did, and I'm pretty sure it was the first conversation in that choice chain. Um, And I talked to a guy who basically explained to me that he thought human life is only valuable in a cost-benefit analysis. And so if that human is of benefit to society and to those around them, that's great. But if they're going to cost more than they benefit, then it's totally fine to eliminate them. Um, And looking back on it, I think that's still one of the most difficult conversations that I have had. Um, And that was just right off the go. And so I had no idea what to say. I tried to come up with a few different arguments and in the end, um, he kind of ended up walking away. And so I still remember that one of the other volunteers, Sebastian, came over and talked to me and he's like, I've talked to that guy before and you don't have to worry if that didn't go super well. Um, the next one will be better. And he was right that the next conversation was easier and I had a bit more chance to remember the things that I wanted to say. And so that was kind of my very first introduction. And then obviously practicing more talking with other people um, and slowly phasing in.
0: Yeah, I, I love, like I said, I love hearing about people's first conversation. I remember my first conversation that I ever had. I I was in Courtney Comox on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. I I asked this guy what he thought about abortion. It became very evident very early in the conversation that he was very much intoxicated. and And I answered his question and it was a terrible, terrible answer and then he asked me the exact same question again and I was like oh okay well round 2 and it was a little bit better that time and then i, I think i answered the same question for him five or six times before he walked away by the end i was quite pleased with my answer but i'm sure that jojo ruba the guy who had done the training for me i'm sure that when he heard my answer um he was appalled that 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 was how i would respond to it but yeah i love hearing these first first experiences and so that that was one of your first encounters. You've been in, actively involved for the past two years or so now. Um, and um, spoiler alert, we're really excited that you're actually joining staff. And I, I wonder if you could share with the audience a little bit about what the last two years of regular engagement has been like. Um, maybe maybe some of the more memorable experiences and conversations that you've had. But but just share with us what the last couple of years have been like for you actively engaging in conversations about abortion.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that progressively, the more that I have volunteered, the easier it's become to volunteer, but also the more I've felt that like push and drive to do so. That at one point it was like, okay, maybe I can do this like a couple of times a month, fit it in the point of like, what, we don't have activism this week. What am I supposed to do? (laughs) Um, And so just like progressively Um, looking forward to actually going out on the street and having the conversations with people um, and then also just building the experience and the practice as I went along. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of conversations that would have been really memorable. I remember talking to a group of girls. um, I want to say they were probably in junior high around 14 or so um, and there was five of them and when they had initially walked by they shouted all sorts of different things but they weren't going to stop and one of the things I heard them talk about was what if a woman was sexually assaulted I can't believe you're out here saying that she shouldn't have a choice and so they actually went to one of the stores nearby and came back and they had to come back through our display and so I had the really cool opportunity of just like starting the conversation off of what they had said. And so as they walked by, I said, like, I heard you girls mention this when you walked by before. Could I actually talk to you about that? And we were able to have a really good conversation, um, lots of input when you have lots of different people joining in. But to break down to the fact that they had a lot of different concerns, not just that one, um, but actually talk through some of those instead of just agree to disagree, um, which we do too often without actually having a conversation. And so I think that one really stood out to me. Um, and I would have loved to have talked to them even more um, and just seen where where the Lord would have led that. But um, yeah, just really enjoyed that conversation for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's so cool to really really understand that by going out and having these conversations, we are actually making a difference. We are actually seeing people change their mind, whether it's a complete 180 or whether it's somebody walking away with a pebble in their shoe. Um, these these conversations aren't simply an act of futility. It's not simply that as Christians were commanded to go out and and talk into the, the abyss, basically, and nothing's ever going to change, but we just have to do it anyways. And we just log our time and move on with life, sort of thing. But that these conversations are actually impacting the people that we're engaging. And I think that's so, so neat. I remember um, you sharing with me a, a story of two girls. We were doing a, a choice chain, one of our, our outreach displays, which shows the reality of what abortion does to a preborn child at Schnook Mall. And these two, two young women walked by, and both of them had said they were completely pro abortion. And and I think it was in a span of like five or 10 minutes, you had spoken to them about whether or not all humans should get human rights and, and when human life begins. And by the end of the conversation, I'm, I'm pretty sure you had said they both walked away completely pro-life. And th- this is something maybe doesn't happen every single conversation, but you've seen it happen before. You, um, even if sometimes it's hard to remember all the details, but this is something that happens, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, I, uh have actually told that story a couple of times, so it's fresh in my mind even now, but um, I recall even after they said that they were pro-life, that they wouldn't have an abortion, which they had started the conversation by saying they would, um, they actually in their own words told me that would make us personally pro-life because we're not gonna tell other people what to do. And so with that conversation, I even had the opportunity to challenge them like, okay, so what if I told you that I was personally against the killing of two-year-olds? If I have a two-year-old, I won't kill them. But if my friend tells me they're going to kill their two-year-old, I'm not going to tell them what to do. I'm not going to try and help. I'm just going to let them make their own decisions. And they were like, no, you cannot do that. Um, and so we chatted a little bit about if we can't do that with two-year-olds, why can we do that with the same child before they're born? And so they walked away actually asking, for resources um, that they could give to their friends if they heard that their friends were in that kind of situation, um, real solutions to the problems that they may be facing. And so, yeah, that one was super encouraging. And I can think of others as well of people completely changing their mind with us on the street um, that I had the honor of being part of and being used in and definitely good memories to look back on
0: mhm and and this is something that we often have the the opportunity to share about in what we call our debriefs these um after we've gone out we've done an hour or two of having conversations the volunteer team the staff team whomever it is we kind of come together and we share about how things went we talk about the good the bad and the ugly and and it makes me think, um, as I mentioned, Quin is joining our team as our Calgary Volunteer Coordinator. And one thing that that she and I um, have spoken about a lot, and, and Quin, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about the value of community within the pro-life um, outreach teams that um, at times, I, I've said on, on numerous occasions actually during presentations, that you don't join the pro-life movement. You don't have conversations about abortion because you want to make friends. You do it because you want to end abortion. You want to do it so that you save little babies' lives and change minds um, to do so. And yet, friendship and camaraderie and community are such a vital part of building and being actively involved in the pro-life movement. I wonder if you could share a little bit about maybe your experience and also just some insight into the value of that, that community, I guess.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate um, our volunteers and the staff members as well and consider them some of my closest friends. Um, And I would say that while you wouldn't join the pro-life movement to make friends, it's a wonderful perk of being in the pro-life movement. Um, And I think that just right off the start, um, generally when we go out to make friends, it starts with like small talk and like simple little things that really have no difference in the long or no importance in the long-term um, run of things. But when you go out for pro-life activism, you like are already starting with this huge common ground on a really important issue. And so you're starting with um, this uni- or unified front of belief on that abortion is wrong, which also translates um, and speaks to a lot of the other positions you hold in life and the things you value. And that's a really cool place to start a friendship from and can really dive deep right away and um, build upon that. And it really speaks a lot also to the hearts of the people that you're doing it with, because you can really see that passion and that desire and the selflessness of people spending their time trying to um, advocate on behalf of those who can't advocate for themselves. So I think that's super awesome to see. And also um, just the kind of collection of people from all ages and ethnicities and lifestyles um, just to see the strength that that brings and what we can learn from each other. And then also, obviously, how we can support each other through the difficult and rejoice with each other and the good has been such a blessing as well.
0: And so bringing us to our last question here, Kwayana, for those who may be watching this episode and saying, oh, I'm just not quite ready yet to have conversations. I haven't read enough. I haven't learned enough. I'm just not ready to go out there and have conversations. I'm curious what kind of words of encouragement or, or even just um, how you would respond to that to encourage people to become actively involved, to go out and have those conversations, whether um, while doing one of our outreach projects at CCBR or even just with friends or family members?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I think the first thing that I would actually say is another question that just asking people, when do you think you will be ready? Um, And I think it's actually a really hard question to answer because it's hard to know if you're ready or not. Um, But one thing that I like to share with people is that the difficulty of being out on the street and trying to have those conversations is actually the biggest factor in what makes you ready. And so I think it's actually that we're not ready to take on that difficulty. And we generally don't like difficulty. (laughs) I know I tend to avoid it. um, But we know from other areas of life that difficulty actually makes us stronger. Um, I think about physical exercise, or doing your schoolwork and learning how to read and write for the first time that those are really difficult things. But that as you press into those difficulties, you are made stronger and made ready to do more and more difficult things. And so you really just get increasing levels of difficulty um, that make you stronger. And so I think that kind of hitting into that difficulty head on, um, it's really easy to tell you it's actually going to be much easier than you think it will be. And I think that is true. I know at least it was easier than I was expecting it to be, but I don't want to diminish that it is a difficult thing to do and it is a hard thing for most people to get started on but actually look at that as a good thing because if it's a difficult thing for you to do, then it's gonna make you much stronger at doing it and make you into a better advocate for the preborn, um, better at speaking with people and better at thinking through the questions they ask and really trying to understand where people are coming from. So better all around person um, as we press into that difficulty and do our best to um, just be an advocate and be present. Because it's better, it's always better to do something than to do nothing at all. Um, And so if you can get started, even if you aren't the best person um, out there having conversations, you may one day be. (laughs) And um, that just comes through the practice and through um, listening to other people and learning as you go. But yeah, don't be afraid to start because I don't know when you ever would start then.
0: Exactly. I think that's a great way to wrap this up, Koyana. Um, Not only having the courage to get out there, but uh, I will mention as well that obviously we at CCBR are very, very excited to be a part of that journey with you. That people like Koyana, who will be the Calgary Volunteer Coordinator, um, are very, very invested in mentoring and walking with you, especially through your your first few conversations and making sure that you can listen to us and how we're having conversations and then helping you through your conversations as you build confidence and competence in having those mind-changing life-saving conversations about abortion. Thank you, Quina, so, so much for joining us. This has been a a great joy. I'm so glad that you're joining our team here at CCBR.
1: Thanks for having me, Cam.
0: And for you listening at home or at work or wherever you're listening, I suppose, um, thank you for tuning in Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, where we're exploring the lives of those defenders of the defenseless if you want to nominate somebody who we, who you think we should feature here on this show, please reach out to us. Or if you yourself want to be featured on this show, please contact us at ProLifeGuys.com. We will get in touch with you. We are excited to get as many different people onto this show as we possibly can. Um, for those of you who feel like you you really do need a little bit more training on how to have good conversations, please check out the content that the Pro Life Guys podcast is putting up every week on how to have effective, compassionate and compelling conversations about abortion. And finally, please check out our other content. We've talked about several of our different programs and initiatives and activism events from CCBR, the parent organization that looks after all of us. Um, Check it out, endthekilling.ca. Thank you very much, Kwena. God bless each and every one of you.